so much to get to here on second down. I mean, I came into today thinking, hey, we got World Series game six. That's enough for an entire show. Still got a lot to talk about from the college football weekend. I mean, Cam, tonight we have the unveiling of the college football playoff rankings, the debut for 2021, the rankings that actually matter coming out tonight. And then the news starts breaking really about 11 a.m. this morning that a name has been linked to the Georgia Southern head coaching vacancy. Now, when we first heard that Chad Lunsford was going to be let go following a tough start to the season and then the Gavin Adcock situation, a lot of people thought we wouldn't know about this until the end of the season because theoretically, Georgia Southern's next coach would probably be on somebody's coaching staff. Well, that's not how it turned out. Multiple reports coming out starting this morning, and Matt Zinitz with On3.com uh, was the first to have this. Former USC head coach Clay Helton has been linked to be the next head coach at Georgia Southern. Following Matt's tweet there, uh, Bruce Feldman also tweeting out that Clay Helton is expected to be hired as Georgia Southern's new coach. Uh, he expects a deal to be finalized in the next couple of days. Pete Thamel reporting very much the same. Adam Rittenberg from ESPN reporting very much the same. So it seems like, Georgia Southern fans, we have an answer. Clay Helton will probably be the next head coach for the Georgia Southern Eagles. We won't know for certain until it's announced from the school. But Cam, I think that is a home run hire. Yeah, that's a pretty cool hire. Um, this is somebody that coached at USC. That's what top five, top ten program in the country. Uh, knows how to recruit. Supposed to be. Yeah, supposed to be. But if we're talking about recruiting and kind of you know prestige, it's definitely top five, top ten. Um, that's a school where your players are sometimes bigger than you, which is kind of not certain like that. It's some other schools, but it's a great hire. He'd be able to come to Georgia Southern and get things you know rolling right then and there. He's been at. A program where I wouldn't say he had some a lot of success, but you See, know, that's the funny thing is I think he, I think down. he did have some good success. Now remember, everyone thinks of USC romantically from the Pete Carroll days, right? But yeah. since then, you've had Steve Sarkeesian, and you've had I think before Steve Sarkeesian was Lane Kiffin, then you had yeah. Ed Orgeron, and then Clay Helton took over when that program wasn't the same program it was under Pete Carroll, right? He takes over as an interim uh, in 2013 uh, in the bowl game. They play in the Las Vegas Bowl, wins that bowl game. Then after that, comes back uh, and goes 5-4 and four overall. And then in 2016, really starts to get it going. They go 10-3 and three and win the Rose Bowl. Uh, 2017, they go 10-3 and three and fall in the Cotton Bowl. So back-to-back New Year's Six Bowls there for Clay Helton. And then the wheels started coming off a little bit. Goes 5-7 and seven in 2018. And then 8-5 and five in 2019. And then the really people started coming out and saying, listen, is this really the guy for the USC job? Then 2020, I think he really turned it around. Goes 5-0 and in the Pac-12 South, 5-1 and overall. I, I think he really turned it around last year. I just think more so than anything, the reason Clay Helton got fired, and he got fired after two games in 2021, is he's Clay Helton. Right, he he's not a name. We've talked about this with uh, LSU and with the Florida coaching jobs. Right, sometimes you need a name with a program, or the program just wants that kind of person out there. USC, I feel like, is one of those programs. And Clay Helton, the running joke was, could you pick him out of a lineup? 
Yeah. Like if I if I if I put six guys faces up there, Cam, do you, do you think you could pick Clay Helton out of them? No. no right. Absolutely. So I I really think that's the thing is a lot of it had to do with that 2018 season under 500. But I mean, you won a Rose Bowl, you were at a Cotton Bowl in the not too distant past, and you were eight and five the year before the pandemic, and then you go five and one during a pandemic shortened season. I mean, I think Georgia Southern scored a really big hire if this proves to be true. I'm sure their um, offense offensive scheme is going to change, correct? They're not going to Oh, yeah, that was, the, that was the next thing I was going to bring up is. Yeah, okay. Looking at this, it's not going to be a triple option at Georgia Southern anymore. Yeah. Right? And I don't think that upsets the fan base too much. I put it out when Lunsford got fired is to Georgia Southern fans. I was like, do you want to see them move away from the triple option, or do you want them to go back to more of that flex bone style, which you were doing with Paul Johnson? And almost to a person, the entire fan base responded, "We want to win, yeah. right? We're not. We don't care how. We don't care what it looks like. We want to win. I think that's what a majority of fan bases are. I think from the outside looking in, the national narrative is, oh, you have to bring in a coach that runs the option because Georgia Southern fans are just tied to the option. Georgia Southern fans aren't any different than any other fans in the country. They want to win. I'll say this. I think Georgia Southern fans are probably as passionate as anyone in the country. Do they have the number of fans that the Georgias and Alabamas and Texases do? No. Is their fan base just as fervent? I would say absolutely. Uh, I think in and around Statesboro and then the alumnus around the South and around the country, those fans are just as passionate about their program as any other fan base in the country. And so when Jared Binko comes out and says, after he fires Chad Lunsford, we have a strong vision for Georgia Southern football and we're not meeting it. That signal to me, they're going to go after a guy that can win regardless of how they get it done. They want to win. And Clay Hilton wasn't terrible at USC, like you said. I, I mean, think he, I think he was pretty dang good. Yeah, I mean, compared to what they've had in the past, absolutely outside of Pete Carroll. But I mean, it's still a great hire. You bringing in somebody that coached at freaking USC in the Pac-12, a Power Five conference. Um, he's going to just bring that energy and whatever he did at USC and bring it down here to Georgia Southern, and they're going to benefit from that. The Eagles are. So I think it's a good now, hire. Yeah, something to look forward to. And he's not unfamiliar with this area of the country. For those of you who don't know, uh, Clay Helton played his college football at Auburn. He was a quarterback at Auburn back in the 90s, uh, grad assistant at Duke for a couple of years, uh, 95 and 96. Uh, and then after that, went to Houston and was at Memphis uh, from 2000 to 2009, working his way up to offensive coordinator there at Memphis in 2009. And then he went out to USC as a quarterback coach, and we know the story from there becomes the OC and then head coach mm -hmm. for the USC Trojans. But he's not unfamiliar with this area, and I really don't think that matters in college football anymore anyway. With the way recruiting has gone digital with huddle and with the way you can communicate on social media, I don't think it inherently matters about, oh, does this guy know this high school coach? Does this guy know this high school coach? These guys can get in there. Everyone has a cell phone number. Get in, get the contact list from the assistant coaches, and get out there, and he's going to know who he needs to know in this area. But to your point, I think Georgia Southern, at least in the Sun Belt, is probably the best job. And with some of these other mm -hmm. programs moving on to quote-unquote Power 5 conferences, I think Georgia Southern is a Tier 1 G5 job. Like, no questions asked, just based off the recruiting grounds that they're in. Think about the number of players that come out of this area every single year. Yeah. If you just put – you go on a map and you put the TAC 
in Statesboro, and then you draw out your yarn to where it's about a h- equidistance 100 miles there on your map, take mm-hmm. a pencil, and then just draw that circle around Statesboro. If you can recruit that area, you can be as good as any G5 team in the country, probably better. Yeah, I mean, I can't argue that. Like I said, I, me personally, I think Georgia is the best state to recruit football players. Uh, I'll go as far as saying that. I mean, it's just... Well, we've talked about it before. Per capita, Georgia puts more players in the NFL than any other state. Yep. So and per 100,000 people, there are more football players in the NFL from Georgia than any other state. And it's getting better and better each year. It's just growing. People, are, I mean, you, we had a recruit. What I, Wasn't it like a player come from California all the way to just come to Valdosta, then play for Grayson? Yeah, Jay Garcia. Just to play in Georgia. So, I mean, Georgia's growing, and I think this is just its a good hire, man. It's a home run hire. I think it's going to take them to the next level and get back to where they need to be. Now, I think that really interesting thing is, and this is maybe how you get a – I'll say this. I think Clay Helton's a big fish, and I'm going to be really curious. Again, this is all reports. Georgia Southern has not made the announcement official yet, but I'm going to be curious to see what kind of contract Clay Helton gets here because Chad Lunsford was making less than a million. Mm-hmm. I don't think you pull Clay Helton for less than that. Like I think I think it's going to be over a mil. But also, I wonder how much of the draw was between Jared Binko and Clay Hilton. Clay Helton saying it's looking like in the not too distant future we're going to have a twelve team college football playoff. I, I don't yeah. think it's out of the realm of possibility. Now I know I'm going like way down the tracks here. I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility when you look at what Coastal Carolina and what Louisiana have been able to do in the recent years. If Georgia Southern can become the predominant team in the Sun Belt, the rules that we have heard about this 12-team college football playoff would be the six highest-ranked conference champions yeah. get into the college football playoff. So if, it's, if you can build mm-hmm. a program, and it would take a while, but if you can build a program because Georgia Southern is not a good program right now, but if you can build that program up to what it should be and what it could be with the amount of recruits and the support you have from your fan base, I don't see a reason why you don't see Georgia Southern knocking on that door if we get the 12-team playoff soon and if Clay Helton can pull it off. I mean, that's going to be the beauty of the 12-team playoff. It gives you know teams a chance now. Like if Louisiana just went undefeated this year, they'll be in the top 12 right now. Same with Coastal Carolina. They'll be a top 12 team. We've seen Cincinnati at freaking – Number two, we'll see what those rankings look like tonight. But, I mean, they're giving teams a chance. So if you are Clay Hilton and you say, okay, you know what? I don't have to go to a power five. I can go to Georgia Southern. And we can win ball games. We can go undefeated and have a chance to make it to the college football playoffs and play yep. Bama um, or Georgia in Athens. You know, uh, Oh, you know. I, that, that's never going to happen. Yeah. Georgia's never going to schedule Georgia Southern. It's, it, it's oh, no, a, I'm saying it's in a, the playoffs. No, Yeah, but like right yeah. now, it's a net negative for Georgia. And it's the same reason why Florida, for the most part, won't schedule a UCF, right? Mm-hmm. Is what does Florida gain from it? Yeah. And the last time Georgia let Georgia Southern come up to Athens, they, Georgia Southern took them to overtime. Mm-hmm. Was that Sony Michelle's freshman year or sophomore year or something like that? So, I mean, it was it – was, Fresh, I think. For, what year was that? It, it was. It's not too distant past that Georgia Southern took them to overtime. Yeah, so, and I would not expect that in the near future. But no, I mean, I think with a 12-team playoff, and with the way the Sun Belt is growing, Coastal Carolina in the top 25, Louisiana in the top 25, national TV recognition. I think this is a huge hire for Georgia Southern when it does get confirmed. Again, the news coming out, reports surfacing. I should say, Clay Helton. Expected to be the next head coach at Georgia Southern. I think that would be a home run hire for the Eagles. We got more to come here on second down, though. Uh, The initial college football playoff rankings coming out tonight. 
going to give you my predictions on what I think they will do, not who I would have as the top 10, but what I think the playoff committee will do. We'll do that coming up. Also talk some World Series. We'll talk some more college football coming up as well. This is Second Down, presented to you by the Uniform Seal Kell, alongside Cam Urshery here. Glad to have you all hanging out with this, this beautiful South Georgia afternoon. Again, reports coming out that ex-USC head coach Clay Helton has been linked to the Georgia Southern job. Uh, reports saying that we can expect to see that made official in the next couple of days. We'll obviously keep you up to date as news comes out. But also tonight, got a couple of big deals. We have something on the field uh, and something off the field. We're going to start with the off the field stuff. The first college football playoff rankings coming out tonight, Cam, uh, as they'll unveil where they think everybody stacks up. And the significance of this is absolutely nothing. But it kind of gives you a gauge of where their mindset's at with how they're going to judge the season because it seems like it changes every season. Obviously, this is a panel made up of 13 individuals. There's nothing computerized that goes into this. This is a judgment call based off of these individuals. And so we're going to see tonight kind of where their mindset is when it comes to things like head-to-head matchups, head-to-head wins, right? Strength of schedule, out-of-conference schedule, losses, and how those have affected people, right? So we're going to see all of that coming up tonight. But I kind of wanted to give you where I think they're going to fall with their initial predictions. Now, it's an interesting modus operandi from the college football playoff selection committee because they have an actual designated, I guess, mission statement about how they go about doing this, right? Where they say, and I want to get this correct. Here we go. The selection committee ranks the teams based on the members' evaluation of the team's performance on the field using conference championships one, strength of schedule, head-to-head results, and comparisons of results against common opponents to decide among teams that are comparable. To decide among teams that are comparable. I think that's a big part of what this is, is where they're saying, okay, we're going to have, they're going to, and they'll go one through 25, but really the only significant ones are one through 10. Mm-hmm. So here's where I think they're going to go. I think number one is far and away Georgia. Yeah. I think I, I, yeah. they now, if you actually look at quality wins and strength of schedule, Georgia doesn't have the most of either one of those. Georgia mm-hmm. has not played the toughest schedule yet, and Georgia does not have the most quality wins out of any team out there. But I think when you combine all of those things and the eyeball test and the results, the fact that nobody scored more than 13 points on Georgia so far, Georgia's number one team in the country. They're undefeated. That's who they're going to rock with. Now, here's where things get really interesting. I think maybe because of recency and the fact that they're still undefeated, I believe Michigan State's going to be number two. Yeah, that's what I was about to go with. They got a a big win over Michigan this past weekend. They're playing really good football. Kenneth Walker's a Heisman Trophy candidate. I think they're going to have them number two. Does that mean they think that they are the second best team in the country? No. That's the interesting thing is inside of this, they say that they're – Main goal is to determine the four best teams in the country at the end. They don't say the four most deserving, right? They don't say the four teams that have played the toughest strength of schedule. They say the four best teams. And Cam, if I'm being honest, if I if I wanted to say the four best teams, I think very quickly I would go Georgia, Alabama, Ohio State, and then I, I would let you argue for four, right? But that's not what they're yeah, doing. Those, that's, those three yeah, are the best. But though. that's not what they're doing. They're trying to use all of those metrics we gave you earlier. Well, obviously you don't have a conference championship yet, but you have strength of schedule, head-to-head results, and comparison of results against common opponents. So I think Michigan State's number two. Here's where I think the most significant one will be tonight because it'll let us know where they're kind of thinking about this. 
I think Cincinnati will be number three. I think that win against Notre Dame is going to loom large because Notre Dame has done what they're supposed to do to help out Cincinnati, which is win. Notre Dame has mm-hmm. not lost since that Cincinnati. That's their only loss. They're 7-1 on the season right now. So that win, I think, is going to help Cincinnati out. Has Cincinnati helped themselves lately? No. Uh, they almost got beat by Navy, and they've struggled yeah. in a couple other games. But I think that win at South Bend will really help out Cincinnati, and they're undefeated. I think Cincinnati will come in at number three. Now, this is where it gets really iffy because you still have some undefeated teams and you have a whole lot of one-loss teams. I think number four will be Alabama. Okay. I think you had one loss to Texas A&M. It was a one-score game, kind of, I don't want to say a fluky game because Texas A&M went out and won that game. Nothing really weird happened in that game. Texas A&M just straight up beat Alabama, right? But I think Alabama's performances outside of that game and the fact they have, I believe, four quality wins, which is as many as Georgia has. A lot of times they, they measure quality wins as home wins over top 30 teams and road wins over top 50 teams. Mm-hmm. So Georgia has just as many, or Alabama has just as many quality wins as Georgia. I think Alabama will be number four, and I think Oklahoma will be number five. Let, let me let me tell you my my personal four, and then what I think they will do. I, I do think Georgia, Cincinnati, Alabama, and, and I actually I have Michigan State at four. I think those are my personal four right now. Um, but what I think the committee will do, I think they'll have Georgia at one. Man, I think they actually have Bama at two, Cincinnati at three, Oklahoma at four. I don't think because because we're in the South, and so I think we get a little bit skewed towards mm-hmm. the Southern teams. And I don't think we're usually wrong with that. Alabama's won yep. how many national championships? But there, there's there's the other there's a, but there's other conference commissioners on the committee, yeah. right? There, I, I think Michigan State being undefeated coming off of that Michigan win is going to be up. There. They might catapult. I, I we, think Alabama, if they're in the top four, will be four. Yeah, and we might see Cincinnati looking like the odd man out at number five because like, of how their do you come up play? with your inaugural player or your inaugural rankings during the middle of the season mm-hmm. where you have multiple undefeated teams? Makes no sense. And and have a one loss team number two. Yeah. Yeah, and I, I, I'm telling you, I, I would not be shocked tonight if we see Cincinnati sitting at four or five and looking like the odd man out because of their play recently. Yeah. But Oklahoma, as bad as I – as much as I don't want to say it, they have looked pretty – outside of the Kansas game, they have looked yeah, decent you have, since here that are, Texas game. Here's the, the board of managers is Eric Bannon, the Big Ten Conference president. Rodney Bennett is the Conference USA president. Jim Clements is the ACC president. Gordon Gee is the Big 12 president. Jack Hawkins, Sunbelt Conference Chancellor. Reverend John Jenkins from Notre Dame. Mark Keenan is the Southeastern Conference president. Kirk Schultz is the Pac-12 Conference president. Satish Tripathi, excuse me, is the MAC Conference president. R.G. Turner is the American, or the AC president. And Keith Whitfield is the Mountain West Conference president. So it's like, yeah, it's the AC. AC. Now, you have the management committee and all that, but... It's a, it's a, that's the governance right there. So it's not skewed towards the South. It's not, but I, I just feel like Cincinnati is going to get a bad ranking tonight. I don't, they could be top four, yes, but I don't think there'd be two or three. I, I do, I just don't, I don't see it, especially with their play lately. I can see Alabama, they're definitely in the top four. And it's going to be between that Oklahoma, Michigan State. If I had to choose one, I would go Michigan State because I just think personally that win over Michigan is bigger than any win Oklahoma's had all year anyway. And Oklahoma, they might lose two of the next three or all three. They still have to go to Stillwater to play Oklahoma State. 
and they still have to go to Waco to play Baylor. Right. Those are two really tough games, so we'll see what they're made of. They win that out, yep. they'll go to the playoffs. Now, here are the actual people who will be in charge of making these decisions. This is the committee. This is not the Board of Governors that we just listed. This is the actual committee. Gary Barta from Iowa. He's the athletic director. Mitch Barnett is the K- Kentucky athletic director. Paula Boyvin, Arizona State professor. Tom Berman, Wyoming athletic director. Charlie Cobb, Georgia State AD. Boo K- uh, Corrigan, NC State AD. Rich George, Colorado AD. Will Shields is a former Nebraska offensive lineman. Gene Taylor, Kansas State Athletic Director. Joe Taylor, Virginia Commonwealth VP for Athletics and Community Wellness. John Urschel is a former Penn State O-lineman. Rod West is an Energy Corporation Group President. And Tyrone <laughs> Willingham, uh, obviously Stanford, Notre Dame, and Washington head coach. So you have some former where, players. Where do they find it? Where, oh, is it randomized every year? It's not randomized. It's I, I believe... It's voted upon from like the board of governors okay. as to who comes on. I mean, Condoleezza Rice was on this. Didn't know that. So like, it's tell them put me and you on. It's not randomized. I don't know if we got that <laughs> pool. I would love to be on. I'd get it right. I'd love but, to be. Oh yeah. But, oh yeah. Anyway, let me, let me round out that top ten. So again, I believe Alabama will be number four. Oklahoma just because mm-hmm. they have been just the skin of their teeth away from losing three or four games. I believe they'll be number five just because they're undefeated. Then here's where I think things will get interesting. I think Ohio State will be number six and Oregon will be seven. Nah. Even though Oregon beat Ohio State, I think if you look at just separate them from themselves, and I know this is going to tick some people off, separate them, off. separate them from themselves and look at the losses. Yeah, no. Oregon lost to Stanford. But Oregon beat Ohio but State. But Oregon lost to Stanford. Ohio State with a freshman quarterback making a second start lost to Oregon. At and home. since then, they've gone on a run. Right, so you look at the losses and you look at what they've done since then. I, I think it's going to be. Oregon I think it's going to be Ohio State six, Oregon seven. I think Notre Dame will be eight. Lord. Yep. I think Michigan will be nine, and I think Oklahoma State will be ten. Okay. Yeah. We we kind of have the same. I switch around. But these Ohio aren't mine. These are not how I would do it. Okay. But this is how I think it's going to happen. I would. I would probably switch around Ohio State and um, Oregon puts uh, Oregon at six, Ohio State at seven. I would switch uh, Notre Dame and Michigan. I don't think that Michigan loss to Michigan State's a bad loss. They went on the road, tight game, a, a, a couple of weird I don't, plays. I don't. I in my like, if I'm looking at this, I don't think Michigan or Michigan State are a top four team. No, I don't think they're top four, but I do think they're better than Notre Dame. I do think both well, yeah. teams are better than Notre Dame. I think Dame. a lot of teams are better than Yeah, Notre Dame. I think a lot of here's, teams are. Here's the way I look at it. This season, I think Georgia has clearly separated themselves. Then I think it's Alabama is the second-best team in the country. Absolutely. And then after that, like it's, it's I think, free game. I think, I think Georgia and Alabama would be favored over everybody else in the country. Yeah. Right? I think after that, you can probably go, just looking at the AP Top 25, I think you can go Cincinnati, and then you can go four through 15. So you can go from Cincinnati to Ole Miss with Michigan State, Ohio State, Oregon, Notre Dame, Michigan, Wake Forest, Oklahoma State, Auburn, Texas A&M, and I think any of those teams could beat any of the other teams. I don't think any of those teams would be favored to beat Georgia or Alabama. I think any of those teams could beat any of the other ones. See, I'm so a, that after that, it comes down to strength of schedule. Yeah, who you beat, who you, beat, yeah, who you haven't. Right. And here's the interesting thing, and you know, I talked to a couple of Michigan State players. If they beat Ohio State, then they go to the Big Ten Championship because they, yeah. they could just lose a game. But if they no, lose if they, to if they, Ohio State. No, if they lose a game but beat Ohio State, mm-hmm. or if they lose to Ohio State but Ohio State loses another one and they still get to go and they win the Big Ten Championship, I think they deserve to be in. Okay, so tell me this. Say if Michigan State is a one-loss Michigan State team that loses to Ohio State but they've beaten 
Everybody else, they beat Penn State. They beat. But they Michigan, don't go to the conference championship. But they go, don't go to the conference championship. What do you do to that? I don't. And you lose to Ohio State. You go. They're going on the road to play them. I think next week. You lose them by three points. What as the committee? What do you say to that? Because you've beaten uh, everybody. Have fun in the Rose Bowl. Man, that's that's pretty tough. Same with Michigan. Say you beat Ohio. Well, if you beat Ohio State, then they'd have two losses, and Michigan State yeah. would be in. Michigan State. It's weird. Well, no, it's weird. no. No, Michigan no, they, State wouldn't be in. Michigan, Michigan would be in. in. Yeah. But then what if Michigan... Ohio State's only loss is out of conference But right what now. if Michigan loses to Michigan? Well, there's Michigan's whole, already lost to Michigan Listen, State. there's a whole lot of what ifs. It's, like it's two, weird. Two weeks ago, we were doing what if Ole Miss and Kentucky <laughs> went out and they both yeah, got that taken flopped. care of this past weekend. They Look, flopped. listen, Michigan State probably is going to lose two games. Now, I will say this, though. I think Oklahoma State is better than Oklahoma. I think when that Oklahoma's game happens... Oklahoma's going to lose a game. Yeah, no, no. two games. I like, think when like they go to Waco... The rest of their schedule, they have their... At Baylor, home against Iowa State, at Oklahoma State. I think they lose to Waco. I mean, in, in Baylor and Waco, and then I think in Stillwater, that last game for the Big 12 championship, I think it will be Oklahoma State. You see Oklahoma State, Baylor, Big 12 championship. Whoever wins that, I think, actually goes to the college football playoffs. If they it's can be remain fascinating. Undefeated. I will tell you this. The collective college football landscape, if Alabama wins out and Georgia wins out, is going to be rooting for Georgia in the SEC oh, championship. yeah. Yeah. Because – if Alabama beats Georgia, well, you just took up half of the yeah. the playoff. Oh yeah, pick. it's, it's going to be like what? What year was it? Seventeen or eighteen? 17. All over again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, but I'm excited. I I would love to. I would love for Georgia to remain undefeated and beat Alabama. But if we lose SEC championship, essentially you get another game against them. I think if you have Bama one, I mean Georgia one, Bama two in the SEC championship, Georgia lose. I think you just drop a spot. And you just interchange the two. One goes to one, one goes to two. And they still meet in the national championship. That's just it is how fascinating because, as BJ always says, just because you lose to number one doesn't mean you're not number two. Yeah. Right? Yeah. We, we value losses so much more in college football than we do in any other sport. Mm-hmm. Just because you lose to one doesn't mean you're not number two. And so if we're trying to determine the four best teams, just because you've lost to the number one team in the country doesn't mean you're not the second best team in the country. How, how exciting is this, though? It's, it's exciting, this college football season. This happens now, every year. But, I mean, but this is the first year where we're like, oh, we can't pencil in Alabama, Clemson, and Ohio State. We can't pencil, pencil it's the first time in. Like, it's the first time in, like, four years. Yeah, we yeah. can't. Alabama can lose. They're gone. Ohio State can lose. They're gone. We can't pencil those guys in this year. It's exciting. You don't know who's going to get in. You could just pencil in Georgia. I think you could do that. Georgia has a 93%, yeah. according to ESPN's FPI, chance of making it. I think you could pencil them in. That's, Nobody that's else That's 7% is safe. there, I think, is if you lose one of these last four games and then lose mm-hmm. in the SEC championship. Nobody which, else is safe, man. I don't, when was when could we ever say there's three spots just wide open in the college football playoffs? It's been a minute. Been a minute, yeah. So it's Typically two of them have been I'm taken excited. up by Alabama and Clemson. And I'm also excited because, you know, we're Georgia fans. Obviously, it's we're true. the best team. Yeah, but I'm excited, man. This is this is pretty cool. I can't wait for the 12 team, though. Speaking of being a Georgia sports fan, we've got a big game coming up tonight. Game six of the World Series in Houston. Whew. Max Freed on the mound for the Atlanta Braves. We'll come back and talk about it yeah. right here on Second Down. Second Down on ESPN Radio is presented to you by the Uniform Source Multiple reports surfacing that ex-USC head coach Clay Helton could be making his way to Statesboro to take over the Georgia Southern job in Cam. Talk about a culture shock. You've been in L.A. for the past decade. Coming on to little sleepy old Statesboro. Hey, man. You're going from eating sushi to just some fried pig's ears. Welcome to the South. Delicious. 
Welcome to the South, man. Is there anything better than gas station food? Absolutely at like, not. At like midnight? Man, look. I don't even want to get started on that. I remember going, going from to like... Going from salads to pulled pork. Man, like the quit trips, you know, back at home. Go and get your little hot gas dog. Gas station and barbecue some. hits different. No, it does. It actually does. And to, before anybody out there gets mad, it's like, he, he just... he just Did he just say Statesboro is, is, pig's, is pig's ears and... <laughs> And L.A. is sushi. That is a compliment. No, that's a compliment. That is a compliment. Nobody, you like sushi? I mean, I like sushi, but I if don't like sushi. What, 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 what would I rather non? Give me some pickled eggs, some barbecue. I mean, I mess with some sushi, but no, be honest like about sushi. what you're eating. You're just eating a bunch of rice and fish. Like it's not healthy. It's just a bunch of rice and fish. But he's going from kale salad to pulled pork, and I think he traded up. Yeah, I mean, I think he traded up. Now, he's I will like say this. If you are looking for things to do, nah, nah, slimmer pickings. But I think that's pretty much anywhere else in the world, unless he was going from like L.A. to New York. Yeah, I mean, you can't really beat Southern Cal, the weather, everything like that. I've sure never been can. out there, but sure you can. Where we're at right now in South Georgia. Yeah, baby, better. No, better. No, better. I would rather everybody, be in everybody LA. send all of your <laughs> send all of your tweets. I don't even know what your Twitter handle is anymore because you change it so much. But send all of your tweets to Cam Urshery on Twitter. Yeah, letting him know how angry you are. But no, it's just a little bit of a culture shock coming from LA to Statesboro. But you know, it is what it is. Yeah, I mean he'll be all right. There's nothing wrong with that. You still get some some nice football. Hey, you're playing. You're you're coaching football. That should be a dream scenario in the first place. I would love to be a football coach. Well, I think the cool thing, too, for Clay Helton, and we'll get to the World Series here in a second, I think the cool thing for Clay Helton, it will be he can, he'll be able to mold this program into what he wants it to be. Whereas Southern Cal, we're going through all the different players as the athletic director out at USC and a bunch of different hands, uh, well, a bunch of different chefs stirring the pot, right? A bunch of different people wanting to see the program go in the direction they wanted to go. This will be Clay Helton's program to kind of mold how he sees fit. I think if he's smart, like I said, you try to put up a wall around about 100 miles from Statesboro in every direction and say, I'm going to try my damnedest, and I'm going to lose out on some of them, but I'm going to try my damnedest to keep the recruits here. Yeah, and maybe try to get some transfers in and make this program pop up. Well, that's the other thing is we saw, we were just talking about Michigan State. You can flip your program in a year now with the new transfer rule. You get transfers, a quarterback, running back, defense. That's the great thing about this transfer rule. Hold on, it's, I'm just going to put it out in the universe because this just came to me. What? I believe one Stetson Bennett has an extra year of eligibility next year. That'd plus be you have cool. no. Plus you have Brock Vandergriff coming back. Plus you have Gunnar Stockton coming in. Carson Beck still on the roster. Does JT Daniels reunite with Clay Helton? No. In Statesboro? No. Come on. Nah. Just put it out in the universe. Nah. Uh, JT Daniels. Look, he, be... Listen, it, appear, it appears like he lost his job nah, to Stetson I Bennett. I don't think he. I wouldn't say he lost it. Kind of like Eason. I don't think Eason lost it. I think he, they just got injured. Um, the other guy was just playing a little bit better. As time, you don't want to change. What things else would up. you? Uh, so that's not losing your job. Well, I wouldn't say he was. Stetson's been playing better because when JT has played, I mean, I mean JT's been pretty freaking good. I said that Clemson I, game. Yeah, it's not the Clemson game. But what? Ha- I'll put it like this: If Stetson had to roll out there game one against Clemson, I don't think he would have been as confident. I, I, I don't know that he would have played much worse than JT played against Clemson. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, thing is, JT didn't, you know, he didn't throw any interceptions, no mistakes. He, threw, so. he absolutely threw an interception in that game. 
He sure did. I think huh? he set Clemson up for their only points. I th- yeah, he sure did. Still, man, I he like He was KT. 22 of 30 for 135 yards and an interception. 22, hey, that's that's nice yeah, completion rate. Hey, 22 rate. of 30, baby. Nice completion rate, though. 22 this of 30. Like, <laughs> but Clemson has a really good – I mean, they're still elite on defense. They just – their their offense is terrible, but they have a really elite defense, so – I mean, but I will put it like this. I think you'll see JT back in Athens. Uh, I, I really do think that he's trying to, you know, make a statement in Athens. He hasn't really had his chance last year, shortened season this year. He's already six yards of completion, Cam. Come on. Hey, we'll have to see, man. You, I, I, Me personally, I think against we'll see Clemson. JT. Against Clemson. Yeah, I think we'll see JT before the end of this year. I really do. They, they I better, think we'll see him play soon. against Bama. I they, do think that. The, listen, you are not going through – these next four games of Missouri, Tennessee, Charleston Southern, Georgia Tech with Stetson, and then going to Atlanta and rolling JT out No, there. I think you're going to play JT in all four of those games. I, I, I so really, you are calling it right now. JT Daniels rolls out there against Missouri. Well, I, do I think he'll start? Not necessarily, but do I think he'll roll out there and play and they'll have even playing time? Absolutely. I, I, I really do think that. It's interesting. I, I'm, I'm getting just reading and talking to people around the program. I'm getting the – Sneaking suspicion that old Stetson Bennett, they're going to rock with him until the wheels fall off. Yeah, That's the only thing I can say about the program since George, uh, since Kirby's been there. We haven't really gotten the quarterback situation correct. I, Jake Fromm, I love him. Um, I mean, but, it's, yeah, that's amazing to say you didn't get the quarterback yeah. situation correct. In the regular season, Jake Fromm was 33-3. and three. I actually love Jake, so I give him that. Cause, you know, you but hear, I think in hindsight you can look back and say – Justin Fields was a better quarterback. But, see, there, there goes the thing. I always tell people, yes, you might have a point, but how can you bench your quarterback when he just took you to the I think, I NCAA think you, National Championship? I think you look at the guy who won the National Championship in 2017 and then in 2020 and say he did it. He benched his quarterback at halftime of the National Championship. Yeah. Like yeah. it, it's it, Why is the quarterback position different than any other position? But he benched If them. one guy – if a defensive end mm-hmm. has been playing pretty good – but the other guy gives you a better chance to win, you're putting in the other defensive end. No, if one true. linebacker has been really solid for you and started a whole lot of games, but the new guy behind him is better, you play the new linebacker. Why is the quarterback position different? But I will say this. Jalen Hurts was playing terrible in that national championship. I don't recall a time where Stetson has just played flat-out terrible. Stetson Bennett just do, – do you not remember the South Carolina game in 2018? And yeah, by then, but it's a lot of things that went wrong in that game too, not just from – there's a lot of well, other that things. 2019. That, went, that was 2019. That was 19. Yeah, yeah. That was 2019. There's a lot of things. Okay, that do went you not wrong. remember the 2018 game against LSU? LSU. Now that was one bad game. I will give you, you got that. Smacked one. in the mouth. Yeah, yeah. No, it was no, bad. Had, but our had defense one, was no, getting destroyed. No, you had one of those games every year. I don't know why we're talking 2018 Georgia football, but here we are. Like you had one of those games every year with Jake Fromm. When it was always against an SEC West mm-hmm. team. You went to Auburn, got smacked. Went to LSU, got smacked. Right, and then 2019 in the SEC championship game, you got smacked by LSU again. But I will put it like this: in some of those games outside of South Carolina, the LSU game, our defense was flat out terrible. I no, mean, no, the offense was bad. The defense no, wasn't the bad in that was game. Bad. But I remember, what's his name? He's in the NFL right now, number three, uh, Campbell. Man, I, I, it was either Justin Jefferson or Jamar Chase torching them on the sideline. Well, I mean, yeah, they torching. do that to a lot of. people. They do that to a lot of a people, lot though. of people. And then Auburn, we couldn't stop Kerryon Johnson to save our lives. I mean, yeah, but you also, I think he scored 17, 17. points. Game, it was so, like 40 to 17 yeah. or something like so, that. Like, I think it's okay to it look back. I think it's it's okay to look back and say Justin Fields was a better one. We and still haven't it, gotten And if it comes down to it, I think, but I think a fair point is to say Kirby Smart has not always managed the quarterback room the best. He hasn't. I think it's fair to say if one of the quarterbacks is better, 
like these everyone likes to everyone likes to prognosticate what a locker room is thinking for the locker room right they're like I, I, you got a bunch of 50 year old guys telling you what a bunch of 19 year olds are thinking like Stetson Bennett's won over that locker room what the hell does that mean Any, uh, I, anybody I, yeah. who's ever been in a locker room mm-hmm. knows if I'm out there it's a fascinating sport right because you practice more than you play right so much more than you play most other sports like baseball soccer stuff like that basketball mm-hmm. you're playing just as much as you're practicing yeah. for the most part, right? Football, you practice n- like nine, nine times more mm-hmm. than when you're playing, right? Including offseason and all that. If I'm a guy who's doing that and going to battle, say I'm an offensive lineman and my knuckles are bloody and I'm just getting punched in the face every single day, do you think I give a damn about personality or anything like that about the guy behind me or do I want the guy behind me that's going to give me the best chance to win? I will put it like this. But, uh, to put a caveat to that, if one guy is just a jerk and has lost the locker room I think that's fine but everything we've heard about JT Daniels is throughout sets and starting these last few games has been he's on the sideline they have a great relationship you can see it he's, on TV yeah, he's giving up he's giving yeah. him coverages he's talking to him when he's coming yeah. off the field so it's like all this stuff about hey listen you got to rock with that guy no they want to rock with whoever's going to give them the best it, chance to win and I hate I hate when you know we are the media but when the media tries to divide a I, locker room we are the media I am not a journalist not a journalist though but you know, the, um, people try to divide the locker room saying, oh, he's one over the locker room. No, sometimes it, there's been sports and I've played sports where you could like the the person that brings the best energy to the locker room is a person that doesn't Looking even at, you're, play. You're listening to Georgia high school basketball legend Cam Urshry. Oh, my God. No, but in general, just like the person at the end of the bitch doesn't play. Doesn't even play and the, they're the best person in the locker room. And yeah. when I see on JT... I watch it on TV. He looks like he's just still into the game, even though he's not even playing. He looks like a great teammate. I could tell, oh, they have a different level of, we just want to win this year. So if we roll out JT, we roll out Christian or me, we're going to win. Is this a different situation? Do I think a player can divide the locker room? Certainly. I think uh, there is... There was that video that came out of Justin Fields walking out, and I'm not taking a shot at Justin Fields whatsoever because, again, I just said, I think Georgia would have been better off if they had had Justin Fields. But there is that video of him walking off against South Carolina where he, I think it was his freshman year, got to walk off the field, and he played like a few snaps, and he said, basically, I handed the ball off good as bleep. Yeah, yeah. And so, like, stuff like that, yeah. But if you have two Mm -hmm. guys in there and they're both putting in the work, I don't think they care about who's going out there. They just want the guy who's going to give them the best chance to win. We're a little bit over here. We've got to take a quick break. We'll come back with. Second down on ESPN Radio, presented to you by the Uniform Source. Two different locations in Savannah to take care of all of your uniform needs. Cam, game six coming up tonight. Max Freed on the mound. He has not been good so far this postseason. I'll say That's this. Okay. I'll say this. Not his last start, but the start before against Houston. Just so many seeing-eye singles just going through the shift, just like soft grounders getting through. How are you feeling about tonight? Max Free, you haven't had a good postseason. That's okay. Now it's time to be a champion. Braves need to be champions tonight. You're going to have a great game tonight. Braves going to win game six. We're not even going seven. I don't have time for that. We're going We're going to win game six tonight in Houston. We're going to celebrate with the champagne bottles in their locker rooms in Houston. Braves World Series champs tonight. I mean, I don't even know if I've emotionally processed that. <laughs> Right and break the curse. They have, Louis, they have Louis Garcia going tonight. Uh, the last time you saw him, uh, the Braves got that two to nothing win. He went three and two thirds, and you got a run off of him. I think that was what on a Friday night. So he's going on short rest against. I would say your best pitcher. Maybe Ian Anderson's been your best postseason pitcher, but if you're just like ranking them, Max Fried's your guy. 
Come on, man. And so, and you and you don't want to think about it, but you do have Ian Anderson as that backstop Mm-mm. in Game Seven if nah. you need him. Nah. But Max Fried going tonight. There is a distinct possibility when we come and speak to you tomorrow. Like Kevin Thomas said, ain't no curses. I'm letting you know we that we are talking about the World we win Series. I'm coming Atlanta, Atlanta decked out. Yo, Atlanta what, what's hoodie, up with the what's Atlanta up with hat. the? I just need to match the shoes. Don't worry, because I don't want to throw. Yeah, off the, Cam, the Cam wearing today. the Astros hat right now. I don't want to throw not the Oakland Athletics. Or but Athletic, I wanna, sorry, I don't want to throw off the Braves tonight. Win, and I'm coming all in Atlanta Atlanta uh, gear tomorrow. All right, well there you go. Cam's letting you know. Three and out coming up next. Guys, we'll be breaking down this one more. More about the Clay Helton news as well. All that coming up next right here on ESPN Radio.